And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC. And I do have to tell you that today's episode is sponsored by Fullscale. Fullscale.io, they can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. And we love them around Startup Hustle. We love them around Kansas City. We love them all over the place because they do a really good job helping our founders and helping our entrepreneurs get their tech projects off the ground and doing it easily and they just do an amazing job. Can't tell you how much positive client feedback I have heard. So I am so excited about today's show. And I know, I know you hear that from me a lot. I get excited about hearing awesome founders and their stories. But today we actually have a founder with us who she has an interesting journey and we're going to hear a little bit about that. But she is a brilliant, brilliant entrepreneur and she's she's offering a little bit of industry disruption. Um, you know, we love talking about uh, connectivity here in Startup Hustle. You know, I love talking about inclusion. And Reese, Reese Stein, Dr. Risa Stein, she is founder and CEO of CNME. And she's going to talk to us about CNME. She's going to talk to us about, uh, I think we're going to talk about starting a business later in life. We're just going to have a really great conversation about a lot of different things. But Risa is an incredible incredible entrepreneur in the Kansas City community, and I cannot wait to introduce you to her. Dr. Stein, thank you so much for being here with us today. Oh, thank you so much for inviting me on the show, Lauren. It's a pleasure and an honor. Yay! Okay, good. <laughs> well, we are, we're going to go ahead and kick off, and I'm going to ask you, are you ready for the softball question? Because here she comes. Tell us, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, um, as you mentioned, I am an entrepreneur, new to the game, though, and despite being somewhat later in life, I don't meet a whole lot of other over 50 women who are just now starting their entrepreneurial journey. So that's been exciting. But most of my life has been spent in psychology. Um, my background is in, as a clinical child and health psychologist, and I've been teaching at the university level for nearly 25 years now. Um, I'm a wife, a mom, I've got a dog, my mom lives with us, and I've been in the Midwest for 24 years now. So that's that's kind of it in a nutshell. Right. So I love that. And 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 one of the questions that I wanted to ask you, and and I I, I hope that you won't take offense when I say this. <laughs> when I, when I think of folks, um, you know, you've achieved great levels of education. You know, you've been involved in academia for years and years and years. When you think of academia, though, I don't often think of innovation, you know, like fast moving, you know, the things that I connect with the entrepreneurial spirit. And that's not, that's not a knock, but I, I kind of want to ask you, you know, you decided 
to start seeing me. And, you know, as you said, you started it a little bit later in life. But what has that, are you experiencing culture shock from world to world? Uh, talk to us a little bit about that. I'm just really curious. I've always wanted to ask you that question. Sure. No, you bring up several really good points. And the first is that universities are probably one of the least innovative um, industries out there. And in part because I think faculty and academia are generally uh, independent contractors and we tend to operate in silos. But nevertheless, um, my foray into entrepreneurship occurred when I... Uh, well, it started back in 2012, if I can digress just a little bit. Absolutely. I had a, a, a midlife <laughs> crisis and I had a near-death experience and it was a real wake-up call about, oh, you know, wow. what am I doing in life? And that that led to this whole wormhole of vulnerability and the chip on my shoulder and wanting to accomplish all these goals in life. And just sort of as a foray away from my everyday life, I started taking classes at the business school at Rockhurst because it's there. It's got a great reputation. I figure like, you know, what the hell? And as I got into that, it opened my eyes more to this whole entrepreneurial community. I'd already been involved in design thinking, had a chapter of University Innovation Fellows, um, taught a class in creativity. So those kind of things were all my way of trying to infuse my life with some greater passion. And so when I put all those things together after taking the business school classes, it naturally opened up this world of entrepreneurship. And what I found I think most interesting is I'd always had this impression that businesses and corporate life was all cutthroat and competitive. And what I found since entering into the entrepreneurial community, especially in Kansas City, is that oh my God, everybody is is so nice here. And it's le far less competitive than it's the so university true. setting. It's so true. Like, it's I, so I, welcoming. I know. I love it. And I, I, I do think that most folks in the within the entrepreneurial ecosystem here in Kansas City, like we, we do understand a rising tide lifts all boats. Like if I help you to succeed, then I am going to realize that benefit. So why not just get in there and help each other out? You know, yeah. we certainly have our issues just as any community <laughs> does, but we, we are a pretty tight knit supportive community. It's been a breath of fresh air coming from um, the academy, which I've enjoyed for, for 24 years. I've loved teaching and I love working with students, but this is just so different. It's It's been a really cool journey. Oh, I'm so, I'm so glad to hear that. Well, so, so I want to hear a little bit more about that journey. I want to hear, tell us about C and Me. You know, give us a little bit of background on kind of, well, tell us what it is first, but then sure. give us a little bit of background on kind of how you came to it. So um, if it's okay, actually, I, I, I will flip that a little bit. So okay. part, of, part of why and how I developed CNME, which actually is intended to ensure equitable care for the most vulnerable populations. So the way I came to this is um, growing up kind of as an outsider in my childhood, uh, not feeling particularly understood by my peers. And then when I had my son, Later on, he was diagnosed with Tourette syndrome, which made him a bit of an outsider as well. 
Um, then coming from the background with child psychology and health psychology, I've always been interested in childhood disorders, but also in terms of health outcomes. So I combine those things. And then it just occurred to me that working with some of my friends who have children with autism and kids who have been diagnosed with Down syndrome, they argue so much for care for their kids that oftentimes the whole optimal personalized care, care that's tailored to their children's individual needs falls by the wayside. And in part because their kids can't advocate for themselves. Oftentimes they don't have the communication abilities. So I saw that as a real opportunity to blend my background, my skills, and my passion to create something that would ensure those parents' peace of mind when they have to leave their kids at school or with a caregiver or provider as a way to ensure those kids are being seen as the unique individuals they are, not just a diagnosis. So I love that so much. So CNME is a platform through which parents can share the characteristics and the behaviors that make their kids unique. Um, but it's portable, it's immediately accessed through an NFC embedded card so that individuals who don't know a child can just tap the card with their phone and that child's personality profile appears on their phone screen in any setting. Um, So they can get to know the kid and achieve that level of familiarity that enables these compassionate and really warm-hearted people who go into this field anyway to create a genuine connection with a more, a more vulnerable person and in that way ensure equitable care for them. Does that make sense? It does. And I, and I have to tell you, one of the things that I love most about CME is how comprehensive it is. So like when you're tracking information for these children, um, you know, if I remember correctly, like we're talking everything from allergies to, you know, sensitivities to, um, you know, preferences and triggers and, you know, likes and dislikes. And, and I, I love that, you know, you're, you're really getting a whole picture of a child, you know, cause I, I know like there's those medical alert bracelets that people have and that's great. And, but, but you're really communicating like who this individual is. And I just, I think that that is so cool because I think so often it's easy to, to forget the most vulnerable among us. And it's easy to, you know, we're all moving so quickly. And so just having that reminder that, you know, that this child is not just a mass of, you know, idiosyncrasies and, and allergies and all that stuff. This child is a person who has likes and dislikes and things that are going to make them happy. And this is how we can support you as a caregiver in offering that to them. So you're empowering the caregiver. You are creating a safe, uh, positive environment for the child. And you're doing so in a really, really easy, accessible way. Um, so, so kudos to you, my friends. Uh, what a well, beautiful it, idea. Thank you, for, <laughs> thank you for summarizing my product better than I actually did. Ah. So, <laughs> I appreciate well, I mean, that. I've been following you for quite some time because I just think that what you're doing is so good. Like we talk about inclusion 
um, so often around Startup Hustle and around Innovate Her. And it's just something that I think about a lot. But but when we talk about, you know, able, disabled, you know, ability, um, I don't think a lot of people, you know, the average layperson really knows how to help, how to be inclusive, what to do, because that's not a part of the conversation that we have as often. And so you are, you're driving forward the conversation in a really positive way and you're offering tools to help people uh, in this. And I just, I, I'm so awed by what you do. Of course I know what you do. <laughs> well, I, I appreciate that. And the, the equity and the inclusivity part of it is huge. And I think that the fear of their children missing out on that is what creates this terror. Um, and it's way more than anxiety for most parents. Uh, so you know, knowing that you have to leave your kid with somebody who does not know them well and cannot easily get to know them, it keeps parents up at night and gives them ulcers. So what I've tried to do is ensure that the, not only that the, the kids are receiving the care they need, that the providers can deliver the care they want to deliver, but that parents can, you know, geez, they, they deserve to go out for a glass of wine or have a bath or go to high V without, you know, worrying that in 20 minutes they're going to be called back because somebody can't handle the challenges that their kid is right. presenting. Well, well, because the caregiver, like, accidentally, through not knowing, did something that triggered the child. And then, you know, right. the, the child is, of course, overwhelmed, overstimulated, like all of these things that are perfectly natural. Sure. Um, but you're, you're finding a workaround for that. Yeah. And yeah. And, and part of what is most confounding for parents is they'll share this information. You know, they'll email somebody or they'll write a note and pin it to Timmy as he goes to school, whatever. But there's really no confirmation or validation that anybody is actually using that information. So one of the novel aspects of See in Me is that anytime anybody accesses the child's what we call an instant connector, the, the NFC embedded device, the parents receive confirmation of that. And so they can update the full profile for the child or they could just share a headline, you know, something that happened yesterday that isn't life altering or a fundamental aspect of who that child is that you'd want to build into the profile. But a daily headline like Timmy's goldfish died last night, you know, that's going to put Timmy in a bad mood today and you want their caregiver to know about that. Yeah. Or, you know, Timmy learned to ride his bike yesterday. We want to celebrate that with him. Right. So the parents have the opportunity to to share a daily headline and anytime someone accesses their card or the URL that they can embed in the electronic records, parents get confirmation of that. And that's really what sets their mind at ease. Sure. Like not only have I provided this information, but somebody is actually using it. Right. I love that. Well, well, Dr. Stein, that is a, that's an incredible thing that you have taken on and that you are championing. How, how's it going? <laughs> Talk to us Good. about, you know, what you've been up to. Well, uh, I know I, I've seen you around the Kansas City community a ton, uh, right. but, but tell, our, tell our listeners, you know, how, how has that been working for you? Uh, it wouldn't be anywhere without the support that I've received from this community. I will tell you that much. I mean, we just incorporated a short time ago, and I should say I, there really is no we. I consider it a we because there are so many people in the Kansas City community who have been helpful to me so far. I feel like it's a team effort. Um, I've got folks who are helping me with uh, the website. Digital Sandbox has provided funding. Pure Pitch Rally has provided funding and connections. 
um, Artisan Technology Group has been amazing. Uh, just all sorts of folks who have been so open to helping me along the way that I really feel like I'm covering my bases and doing it right this time. That if if nothing ever comes of it, it won't be because we haven't put our ducks in a row and launched it appropriately. So it's coming along really well. Um, it, by the time this, yeah, by by the time this podcast airs, we'll have be well underway and ready to launch. So I'm I'm confident that things are on the right trajectory. That is incredible, and I do want to give a little innovate her plug here. Uh, Dr. Stein actually recently took part in Girls Just Want to Have Funding, our Yay. our pitch showcase, and she did an amazing job. Uh, just wanted to throw that out there because I was Absolutely. very very proud. Um, so so talk to us a little bit. You, you 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 mentioned an interesting concept when when uh, I think when you were talking to Jessica uh, about being on the show, and I, I want to delve into this with you a little bit. But you mentioned something uh, something about being a T shaped person. Hmm. Yeah. I, so so folks listening, she just gave like a little smile. But I, I want to hear <laughs> about that because because I, I feel like it's so interesting. Like your journey is so interesting to me coming from a, you know, an environment that's very different from the, you know, entrepreneurial community. And again, not a judgment, just, it's just different. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, you, you've done, you've accomplished so much throughout your career, but now you're doing something that is so divergent from what you've done before. And I'm, I'm fascinated by people who do that because that means that you're comfortable with discomfort. And I think that everybody should be comfortable with discomfort. Um, if you are not uncomfortable, then you are not pushing yourself hard enough. Uh, so, so I want to hear a little bit more about that. Talk to us about T-shaped people. What does that mean? Sure. I appreciate that. Um, so in, I, I'm a nerdy academic at heart, 100% through and through. And so when I first started getting into this stuff, I started reading every book I possibly could. And one of the first ones I read discussed this whole notion of T-shaped people, how you have this, this area that you have a depth of knowledge in, and you know that's the vertical piece. But then you have a breadth of understanding of various other areas, and that's the horizontal piece at top. So you should be able to apply your depth of understanding to a multitude of different situations. Now, personally, I prefer to think of it like a flower where your, your stem is your depth of understanding and the petals, which all come together and actually meet up are your breadth of understanding. And for me, that depth of understanding is clinical psychology. And the, the breadth that I've developed is, an understanding of undergraduates and now a bit more about the business area, health outcomes, um, autism, Down syndrome, and just a, this multitude of different areas that if you bend it all around, like the, you take that top part of the T and you bent it like a circle, all of these pieces start touching each other. And in my mind, that's what resulted in seeing me. It's a confluence of my understanding of psychology, but also of children and as a parent and as a professional provider, all of these things sort of came together. And when I look at the most successful entrepreneurs that I know, the vast majority of them have some deep understanding of some area, but then they've sort of stepped outside their domain and applied it in a way that perhaps 
folks before had never conceptualized. So I see that a lot in our community, actually. I mean, don't you, don't you see folks who have this? And as you're, I I see that happen a ton. And like, as you're speaking, I'm actually like feeling a little bit of recognition because, you know, so, so Innovator was founded, like I have a deep understanding Mm -hmm. of community building and uh, inclusion, but then you bring those two things together and you add my background in marketing and you add, you know, different pieces of, of knowledge that I've picked along the way. And yeah, like you, you create this, this confluence or convergence of past experience and passion and like the things that you, you care about, but also the things that you're good at. And I mean, Mm -hmm. honestly, I think that that's where the happiest and best entrepreneurs lie. Like when they can, can, they can combine all of those things, you know? So, So, yeah. So, so I love that. And I love that how you've been able to turn your personal life experience, your educational background, um, you know, your heart, because clearly you have a huge heart, um, but you've been able to unite all of these things to a really, really great, deep purpose. Like what you're doing has the potential to be so impactful for, for children, for caregivers, for parents, for, for society as a whole, really. Um, so, so I love that. So I want to ask you this question, but first I'm going to break in and I'm going to let you know that today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io. They can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. Um, they can help you do a lot of stuff and they are an extremely supportive, competent, amazing company that I am so glad we are aligned with. Um, and they are, of course, the producers of the Startup Hustle podcast. So we, we definitely love them lots. Uh, just a reminder, we are here with Dr. Risa Stein, uh, founder and CEO of See and Me, and we're talking about a lot of stuff, but the question that I want to ask you right now, Risa, is, you know, you talk about the fact that you have a, bi- a background in psychological or in psychology. Um, how has that informed your experience as you, and helped you in your journey as a later in life entrepreneur? <laughs> I need to know that. <laughs> yeah. Well, so it's helped me overcome everything that pushed me into psychology to begin with. So I I mentioned at the beginning that I had this midlife crisis. So I'll I'll step back for a second. And I wanted to be a psychologist since I was like seven. It's the only thing I ever wanted to do with my life. I have a uncle who is an experimental psychologist who used to take me to Rutgers primate center when he would work with the monkeys. And I thought, well, this was just the most fabulous thing in the world. I want to work with monkeys. So I, I always, I always joke that. Did you ever get to work with monkeys? I never got to work with monkeys, but what? I get to work with university students. So okay, almost the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, but I knew from a really young age that that's what I wanted to do. And I set this goal for myself to have a PhD uh, by the time I was 30. So I went above and beyond as a typical overachiever. I had a husband, a kid, a new house, a new car, a PhD, and a postdoc by the time I was 30. So all of my goals Wait, were met. Can I just say, holy shit? Yeah, yeah go right ahead. Because, like, because that's the same forces that helped me achieve that are the ones that almost killed me um, by the time I was in my mid-40s. So I mentioned that that midlife crisis. I yeah. I have lived my life as someone who only lives to achieve goals. And once that goal is met, actually not even once that goal is met, once I'm about three quarters of the way to that goal, then it starts losing its luster and I find a new one. So that being said, when 
when I had this experience in about 2013, where everything just started losing its luster, I'd been doing it for so long that it just started getting boring and, and teaching and everything just started feeling like it was suffocating me. So then I had this experience where I'm taking my son on his, his college trip and I started hemorrhaging and I was hemorrhaging really bad. So that by the time I got back home to Kansas city, I was in the hospital for about two weeks with blood transfusions every day. Oh wow! And I started thinking to myself, what the hell is wrong with me that I could have died on this trip, but the whole time I'm keeping a stiff upper lip and, you know, not letting my son know what was going on. And I'm still driving. I could have killed him. I could have killed somebody else on the road. It was ridiculous, but it was a real turning point for me. And I had to figure out why I did that. And the same things, what I realized was that the same things that helped me achieve all of those milestones were what was keeping me frustrated and what nearly killed me. And it was through this massive process of introspection and applying my psychological skills to myself that I realized I had this massive chip on my shoulder that I needed to knock off. Um, and once that happened and I felt more comfortable with risk-taking, vulnerability, failure, um, losing the imposter syndrome, I, I wrote a book detailing my my process. And then so that's I, when I... I think sorry. We, need, we need to call that out really quickly. What's the name of the book and where can we find it? <laughs> The, the Best Damn Life Workbook, and it's actually a cognitive therapy workbook for po folks who find themselves mired in a crisis where they just don't know where to go next. They feel they're stuck in this hole, and that's kind of, it, it's kind of along the lines of what we had talked about before with this achievement mindset. Um, anyway, when once I figured that out, then... I was able to make all these amazing changes that led to my entrepreneurial journey because I was open to experiences at that point and they weren't all dictated. Every step of my life wasn't then dictated by what it took to succeed. Yeah. And I found so much more fulfillment and really so much more personally defined success once I knocked that chip off my shoulder than ever before. But the, in my, in my own personal journey, that's how I've used psychology on myself to reach this point. That's awesome. Uh, and I would imagine that, that it's been a pretty, pretty arduous yet fulfilling experience. <laughs> well, you know, I think one of the advantages of being in your mid fifties and starting something new is that you give way fewer fucks about stuff. And, oh, hell yeah. I, mean, I hope, you know, I hope that's okay to say on the air. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, but... we, have, we have the explicit warning <laughs> when we post the podcast. It's totally yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> you know, some people start out in life and they're way more open to experiences and they're way more willing to take risks. That wasn't me. I, it wasn't until this point in my life that I realized, you know, the world doesn't revolve around you. Nobody really gives a shit what you do. You can make an impact by just being a little bit more vulnerable and doing things that are going to help other people out rather than being self-serving. Yeah. And, you know, that's, that's made all the difference in personal fulfillment. And I've been so much happier in my 50s and taking the risk starting a business than I ever was in my safe zone in academia. 
I I love that. And and I and I do want to thank you for being vulnerable with us here today. I mean, you just told a very powerful story. You know, you talked a little bit about your your son's experience and you know, just the fact that you're willing and able to to open up and share with our listeners. Um that's that's very much appreciated and and what, how brave. You're just so courageous. Uh, <laughs> so I, yeah, I don't yeah. feel that way. But it's, well, it's- you know, so, so it's one of the, one of the things that I talk about often is uh, the fact that you know bravery is not not being scared. Like, mm-hmm. be, it, it's being scared and going forward anyway, right? right? It's not brave if you're not scared. Then you're just you know doing shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. So so the fact that you know you you feel vulnerable and you might, but you're very authentic, and I just. I appreciate that. And you're definitely brave. And I'd like for you, I invite you to own that. Well, I appreciate that. Absolutely. No, I, I, my main goal in teaching now is I'm phasing out of, of academia is to try to help my students achieve that same perspective that it's okay not to make straight A's if it means you get to enjoy your life and you're actually learning a bit more. And I've been trying to apply that to myself. This whole entrepreneurial journey has been such a learning experience. I mean, not just about business, but about myself as well. It's been just completely fascinating and totally rewarding. Not that it isn't been without its anxious, you know, it's anxious moments, obviously, but it's, I think being authentic, people just feel more comfortable with you and they want to help you more and they feel more like they can bond with you in some ways. And that's what's been most shattering to me. (laughs) I I know you know because you're able to connect with so many people out there and you're always authentic, but this has been a really, this has been a major learning experience for me. I gotta, um, I gotta tell you, one of the most impactful moments in my career occurred when I stopped giving a fuck what people <laughs> thought of me. Like I was just like, I'm just gonna, you know what? I'm just gonna well, go. Good out for you for figuring that out way earlier than I did. <laughs> you know, and, and, and I mean, honestly, like it's been a very, it's it's over the course of what, like the past few years, an innovator was yeah. definitely a catalyst to to mm-hmm. that, but. I actually find that I'm much more successful, much more fulfilled, much happier uh, now that I'm just like, look, I'm going to do me. And if you like it, that's cool. And if you don't, all right, I'm not your brand. You're not my audience. So so, did you have Did you have a pivotal moment that opened your eyes to that or was that a process for you? Uh, it was definitely, it was, it was a process. Um, I think that Innovator was a was very much a catalyst for me personally. They, mm-hmm. as I said earlier, Innovator represents the merging and the integration of so many different things that I love and that I'm passionate about: uh, women, inclusion, um, <laughs> community building, ecosystem development, like help marketing. You know, all of these things that I do and had done. Um, and, and so I, I finally found what I consider I, it's my purpose. And, you know, my the tactics may change, but I, I hope that the purpose will remain the same for a good long time because I've never been so passionate about something that I've been doing. Um, so, so over the course of time, you know, finding my purpose and kind of coming to the realization that it's okay to own it and it's okay for it to be my baby. And it, that means that 
in some ways, innovator is the manifestation of myself. Um, I probably take innovator way too seriously, but I just love it. Um, and so, so I really think that innovator was like the, the conduit to my personal growth. Like once I found my purpose, I then had permission to actualize myself because I was putting so much of myself out there with this baby. Does that make sense? (laughs) That's perfect sense. I think that's an awesome way to, to say it, that, yeah, it gave you license to be authentic and being authentic just brought it to life that much more. And then it becomes a sort of self-fulfilling it's, yeah, thing. It's like a circle, you know? it just keeps going yeah, around. And, and that's what draws people to you. People want to be around other authentic people. So it, it's almost, and, and this is what I try to help my students and even my kids understand, is that the more authentic you are, the more vulnerable you are, the more risks you take the more likely you are to succeed and people will be drawn to you and people will want to help you. If you keep all that inside in a competitive way or in a protective way, then people see you as kind of standoffish and they're not going to be as as comfortable approaching you. Yeah. So there's this, I can't remember the exact like phrasing of it, but there's this, um, and you would probably know much better than I, but this psychological concept out there that if you want someone to like you, you ask them to do you a favor mm-hmm. <laughs> and, exactly. and so you, you get their buy-in and you get their help. And then that makes them like you more. And so one of my piece, the pieces of my journey is like, it's okay to ask for help. Um, you know, another piece of the journey is it's okay to fail. Like as long, as long as you learn and you don't do it again. Um, so, so yeah, like there, there, and I, and I do, I do think I want to kind of call out for our listeners at home, like the understanding that this journey is not, it's not linear, you know? So like, for instance, last night I went to an event and I was meeting someone new and I cussed. (laughs) <laughs> and, 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 you know, like, it's just kind of second nature to me now. Like I worked uh-huh. in the car industry long enough that like Lauren cusses a lot and people know that about me. Um, but I did have like a self edit moment where I was like, oh shit, should I have done that? Like, this is a new person. I don't know them. Um, and they laughed and then, and I was just like, you know what? Like if they didn't like it, Hey, you know, maybe that's yeah. not my people. <laughs> and so I exactly. had to like remind myself that Lauren, it is okay to be yourself in these different arenas and these different areas and venues, because in being myself, people are actually like, if they decide that they like me, they're actually liking me. Or if they actually want to help me, they were, they're helping me. So, so, you know, it, it's kind of a one step to- forward, two steps back kind of journey sometimes where it's like, oh yeah, you know, you're going to, you're going to slip and fall, but ultimately, as long as you keep moving forward, you're fine. Right. And not everybody's going to like you and everything you do, but everybody will at least appreciate you for being authentic. And I think that's really important. (laughs) Exactly. Well, because you're giving them agency to make the proper decision, like, and they're never going to feel like it's a bait and switch situation. That's a great Um, way to put it. Yeah. So, so let me, let me ask you this, Um, you know, as a, as a leader in life entrepreneur and as somebody who is trying new things every day, uh, and, and, and putting yourself into uncomfortable places and spaces for you that are outside of your comfort zone. What is your best advice? We've talked about some things, but what is, what is your best advice that you could give our listeners at home? Like if you are, um, you know, a little later in life, if you are thinking of taking the leap, um, Dr. Stein, what is, what is your best advice to those folks? Well, I can only say what works for me because I really don't even know that many other people who are later in life, but I mean, in terms of entrepreneurs, but I think what I have learned from the folks that I have spoken with is you need to be comfortable letting people help you. And 
one of the challenges when you reach my age and you've raised children and you've moved up at work and you've been, you know, you've helped out in the community, you're so used to being the one in charge or the responsible one that sometimes it's difficult to give up. It's not power. Maybe it's more authority. Sometimes it's, it's harder to start over as a beginning learner. Um, and if you see that as a, if you, if you see in that fascination and you remain open to the experiences and you allow yourself to become a beginner again, then that journey is so rewarding. So I guess my, my advice to just about anybody at any phase is to enter into every new situation as an open-minded beginning learner and just soak in everything you possibly can. Yeah. I love that. I, I love people who are sponges. Um, so, so when you talk about like core values, yeah. Um, so, so mine is actually curiosity. Uh, my mm. that is my core value. That is the reason that I get out of bed in the morning because I want to see what's mm-hmm. going to happen, and I want to. I, I I know that throughout the course of the day, I'm going to learn at least one thing new, and it could be something stupid, <laughs> but you know, there's going to be something that sticks. That's really an accomplishment, though. I mean, because I work with some of the smartest people in the world in a university setting, students and faculty, and curiosity usually takes a back seat to wanting to prove that you're capable yeah, and wanting to prove that you're capable means not taking risks and not necessarily being curious because that requires asking questions and being vulnerable. So curiosity is huge. And yeah, to to encourage people to just be more curious and open to experiences. I, I, I feel like the linchpin of that conversation is being comfortable with failure. Um, I, nobody likes to fail. And I mean, mm-hmm. it, with innovator, it, like actually through my whole life, like, you know, I have failed many, 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 many times. I'm sure that you have as well. Everybody does. Um, but just understanding that a failure is not an end. It is a beginning. It is the, a part of the process. And so, so honoring that and being able to move forward with that, you know, I, I do think that a lot of people tend to struggle with it. And so mm-hmm. I, I would invite and encourage any of our listeners at home, you know, you know, think about how failure has informed your experience. Like maybe something failed, but it opened you up to a new opportunity, or maybe you learned something that is going to, you know, propel you to greater success in future endeavors, you know, think about that and get really comfortable with it. <laughs> because Cause, cause if you're not, yeah, if you're not, you don't grow. And I mean, that's that fear of failure is what basically almost killed me once I yeah. got past that and regained my curiosity. It's been so much more an enjoyable and healthy ride. Absolutely. Well, I just want to give you like such a big hug right now because I feel like I knew knew that like I liked you, but I'm like, we're speaking the same language. Like, I see you, Dr. Risa Stein. I see you. And I see you, Lauren. (laughs) And and we're all very excited about C in me as well. So so there's that. Um, So so I'm going to ask you a couple, just, just, all right. So here's here's my last CME question. So what is on the horizon? Um, you kind of talked about how you've availed yourselves of different resources, but what's the five-year plan? What's the, like, you're, you're, you're getting ready to launch. What are you looking at for the future? Well, I haven't given up my plans for world domination. Okay. So- I, I am 100% <laughs> in support of that plan. Awesome. Good. <laughs> One supporter. 
Okay, um, I will be your. I can be your court jester. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah, no, we're definitely starting with kids because that that's where my heart is first and foremost. Um, providing equitable care to vulnerable children. But then um, my hope is that it will grow to adults in residential care, um, elders with aphasia. They, they can't communicate well, maybe because of a stroke or they sure. have dementia. Um, then I want to open it to you know, pre-verbal infants, to non-special needs kids, any parents who are anxious, and then eventually uh, we'll enter the pet market. And so hey. if you want to talk about your dog's personality and help the kennel better understand how to work with them when you're in Costa Rica, um, then that's available as well. And then eventually international markets. Now, I don't have any illusions. Oh, you that were real serious world. about world domination, though. You were yeah, yeah you know, there, there are kids in China and Uruguay who have special needs as well, and their parents are equally anxious. That's one of the universal experiences. So it probably won't happen in five years, but it'll happen eventually. Yeah. Well, well, that is absolutely awesome. So, so we have come up to to the human question, and I, <laughs> I'm very uh, inter- There are like five different questions that I want to ask you. And at some point, you and I, I just want you to know this is uh, some. At some point, we're going to take this offline, and we're going to have a whole conversation about polymaths because I'm like fascinated by that. Oh, awesome. Uh, and I imagine you have some amazing insights. But the question that I'm going to ask you is, if you could have a superpower. What would you want? If I had any superpower, I think it would be to create compassion. So your core value is curiosity. My core value is compassion. And I think if we could increase compassion and empathy, then the vast majority of the problems in our world would disappear. Uh, We'd save our climate. We'd decrease you know, white supremacy. Would you have like a compassion lasso, like Wonder Woman? I would. Just, like, oh, wouldn't that be awesome? Or, yeah, well, well, you know what? I actually think like, I think that you're going to have like compassion rainstorms because that way you can hit more that's, people That's at what I want. So, so if you would allow <laughs> me to also be able to fly, I would be able to sprinkle my compassion dust over all of the world and, yes. and everybody would be authentic and and appreciate the authenticity in others. Just for that, Risa, I'm going to allow it. You can have two superpowers because you're You're awesome that way. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. Well, well, I got to tell you, Dr. Stein, thank you for, for taking the time to chat with us and to talk to us about your experience and your journey. And it's just... Uh, I, I I came into it fascinated. I'm leaving still more fascinated. Uh, definitely want to continue the conversation. But first, I just, we have to come to an end. And I do just want to thank you so much for taking the time. This was great. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me today. It's been a pleasure. Absolutely. And of course, we would be remiss if we didn't thank today's episode sponsor. Uh, Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io. They can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. And you definitely, if you haven't already, do us a do us a solid look up Startup Hustle. Find us on Instagram. We're on LinkedIn. We've got you know a group on a chat group on Facebook. You can definitely join us there. So so keep an eye out for Startup Hustle wherever you consume content. We would love to connect with you. And listeners, I cannot thank you enough for taking the time out of your busy schedules to just to listen to these stories. We We truly, truly appreciate you. We will catch you on the flip side. 
Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time. Like we do it.